0: You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, coming at you with a great conversation, our first two guest conversation with Matt Robinette and Chris Porter. Matt is the president of the Capital Rugby Union and Chris is a coach of the Norfolk Rugby Blues and the Capital Selects teams. They've known each other for a long time with over 50 years of combined experience between them coaching and running programs and can see why they enjoy working with each other so much. The conversation was awesome because Matt was able to give the big picture program level management point of view when it comes to leadership development inside a program and how they start their message and culture from the top while Chris really dove into what he does on a day-to-day basis with his captains and other leaders on the field that practice during games to make that culture and leadership actionable we spoke a lot about how crucial communication is between a captain and a coach and defining those roles and expectations between the two. The importance of having mechanism that bring about leadership. And Chris does a good job explaining how he does that on a day-to-day basis. Some ways each fell, they fell short somewhat either as a captain or as a coach. And some advice for coaches and captains looking to develop themselves and those around them. I really challenge every captain and coach alike listening to this one to take one thing they hear from Chris and Matt and implement it tomorrow during a practice or a meeting. Especially coaches, be comfortable with silence, and now I'll get out of the way so you can listen to the real experts, Matt Robinette and Chris Porter, on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Matt and Chris, welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. It's great to guys have you guys both on for my first two-guest episode. Good.
0: To be Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, you guys are closely linked, Matt, you're more on the administrative, large picture program level. And Chris, you're very involved on kind of the day to day coaching, kind of implementing what we're going to talk about on the the field level. But I think a good place to start, um, if Matt, you can kind of start off with this one, you know, what are some of the fundamental values and principles that you guys preach and stress as a program and as a coaching staff that really encourages leadership or you think that that transfers well to the field in terms of the the kind of the player centric or leadership model.
0: Well, first, thanks to you and Ben for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you about leadership and coaching, um, both from a player's perspective and a, administration and a coach perspective. So thank you for that. Um, you know, it's it's been proven time and time again that if you have good leadership on and off the field, your wins will increase. It, that is a fact. Um, the, the poorly managed teams, the poorly captained teams, uh, they are not as successful as those who have leadership principles in place almost as a culture and, and within their DNA of the team. So we, we so we try to encourage that and develop that with, um, administrative leadership from my point of view. And, and we give opportunity for coach development and player development. Um, but without it, there is no success.
1: Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, that goes right to one of our tenets of leadership at the captain's coach. Actually the, the, the first tenet of leadership that we preach is that everything rises and falls with leadership and really a, a program and, and a team or any kind of organization is, is no better than, no better or worse than it's, than it's leadership. So Chris, you know, going off of what, what Matt has said and, and the emphasis that you all put on leadership at both a administrative coaching and as well as the the player level, what do you do as a staff um, to, to either systematically train and develop the leaders on the field or, or is there anything that you do as a, as a coaching staff to kind of increase and develop your own leadership skills?
2: Um, I think what, we, what we've taken up... Um an approach to it is the player-centered coaching style. So we put a lot of emphasis on the players making decisions and coming up with um, their own solutions to to the problems that we're having. Uh, If we go through a drill, uh, after the drill, we run for a few minutes, after the drill is done, we ask the players what's going right and wrong. You know, the old days was, you know, the coach would tell you, hey, you're doing this, you're doing this, and you're doing that, you know, right, and here's what you're doing wrong, let's fix it. Well, now we've gone to the part where we're asking the players, you know, what do you feel like going really well, and what's not going well, then how do we fix it? And what we do is you find the players that are your leaders, and you single them out first and let them answer questions. And what that leads to is, it leads to the rest of the team very comfortable with voicing their opinions about what's going well and what's not. So you build your leadership up by, by picking out your leaders and, and asking them what's going right and wrong and how do we fix things, and you let them build on that. And the other players get very comfortable that also with, with those leaders talking up, and then their leadership skills build up. They may not be the big team leaders, but they become confident in leading themselves into how to fix things and do other things uh, to make them better athletes and better team players. So a lot of it now is going on to put an emphasis on the players making the decisions about how, what's going right. And then how do we fix what's going wrong?
1: Yeah. And that's great. And it's interesting to hear, you know, you you hear a lot about how some, some good coaches and good programs, they constantly get feedback from their captains, from their leadership on how things are going. But usually you hear about that in the form of weekly meetings or, you know, at a most daily meetings and kind of, those end of quarter kind of evaluations. But to hear what you make it sound like is kind of a constant throughout practice after every drill, after every little piece of what you guys are trying to implement, you're constantly asking for feedback. And I think that's sometimes where coaches and programs can fall short is expecting leaders to step up and actively provide that feedback without giving them or facilitating kind of an opportunity to do so. So I think the fact that you guys are kind of forcing that mechanism of feedback onto your leaders and expecting more of them like you said it, it makes a a better environment for communication overall and and like I like to say is that leadership begets leadership and leaders beget leaders and and you know your your point of view kind of points to that same thing you know once one group of people or, or, or one or two groups of people start to speak up and, and the rest of them kind of see how comfortable they can be in that environment and how low threat it is to kind of offer opinions and what you're seeing, you know, it's, it's just a compound effect. And eventually you're going to have leaders all over the field um, as well as for your whole team.
0: Yeah. Is there, yeah, I couldn't agree more and you know, high performance or winning rugby is contagious if you have that strong leader who's going to pull everyone along and we're, we're at practice two times a week and then the games and you know we're building these relationships with with our teammates and the most successful ones and when i hear on sports talk radio talking about chemistry it is a real thing uh and the leader from my perspective Dictate that culture and chemistry. I mean the coaches do too in the administration, but our sport is a little bit Not unique. It's just During that 80 minutes the coach can't do anything It's up to the team on the field
1: Right and that actually kind of feeds into my next question was gonna be you know what is there that kind of goes on behind the scenes that maybe your players don't even see or, or definitely, you know, the outside community doesn't really see that you all do. That maybe another kind of forcing mechanism that either promotes that leadership development and that kind of team chemistry that really allows for that, that contagious culture to kind of take over.
2: Um, I, I would definitely say it comes with, with our, our approach to the team as a coach's approach going into a training session or, or a match and things like that, it's how we approach a team. So, you know, I'll meet with my coaches and, and we'll go through our drills and what we'll talk about is, you know, what we want to see, what our focus is going to be that day. So if our focus is on a skill drill, it's going to be breaking the skill down and, you know, you know, catching the ball with their hands and looking before we pass and things like that, the small things. So we know what we want to focus on. So when we go through a drill and, and you see the things not happening, we understand what we want to see. So then we'll base our questions and and how to pull that information out of our, out of our players from that. Um, If you see that, you know, the passes are going to the ground or people are dropping the balls or not in the right position. Well, we know what our focus is. So when we want to stop and and fix this situation, um, we go about knowing how to ask the questions or what questions to ask to pull the information out of them. The hard part is that so many of these players are, um, start off on sports and coaches that just want to tell them what to do the whole time. And they're, they're on a, a coach centric team. And then when you ask them the questions, you start off getting a lot of blank looks and as they get, it, they realize you're, what they're doing and coach does, you'll get a lot more responses, but it does, it does take a little bit of time. And, and I think, you know, I heard it great when I was at a, at a coaching course in New Zealand. Um, the coach said he had to get very used to listening to silence because he, he would ask questions, and if he asked 10 questions, he answered eight of them. And his, his, his evaluator told him, you, you need to be comfortable with silence. And that's something as coaches that we, we really have to be comfortable with, because sometimes we're not. And when we ask a question and the answer's not coming up, or we're not getting the exact way we want, we want to just definitely jump on it. So we talk about the questions we want to ask, the focus that we have for that training, and then we talk, you know, then we go about how we would pull that information from those players. To go from there.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've had the good fortune of coaching with Porter as part of his coaching team and coaching staff for several years. And on the bigger picture, I remember sitting down at the beginning of the season, like before any players are there and saying, let's, what are our goals? How are we going to do this? And And just coming on a, big level, and and the planning at that stage, we don't know all the players who are going to be there, but we have a plan regardless, and and that was one of the things that Porter taught me, and I think it comes with his education background and all of that, but um, on the big picture, just an overall season plan as well as the day-to-day, as Porter mentioned
1: yeah and I think that is something that is often overlooked by by new coaches, especially is having like you said matt that that big picture seasonal plan of hey, what are our goals not only on the field but what are our goals as a as a program as a culture for our leadership? how do we want this to to continue throughout the season and throughout the years and I think Chris, what you are kind of pointing back to was what we kind of talked about earlier was the the specific intended outcomes you want and what your your forcing mechanism for leadership you know you it's a great point about having players from different sports and rugby kind of is that unique sport where you get a lot of people later in their sports career switch over to rugby from these other sports that you know you know we we're talking about before we started recording, talking about the difference between, you know, rugby and football, where football, you have one job and one job only, and it's one play at a time. Whereas rugby's, you know, everyone's kind of doing everything around the field and things are kind of free flowing and develop continuously. And, you know, another big piece of that, and this doesn't go just for football, but a lot of sports are very coach centric. And I love that, that quote of you have to be comfortable with silence and forcing your leaders to step up is, is so much better than asking them to and expecting them to do things that are out of their comfort zone with any sort of support or any sort of way of, of doing that. And, you know, it's a lot of uh, a previous guest I had on, he had a good term for it called supported autonomy, where, you know, you kind of give your players the freedom to do what they want and be kind of self-sufficient and answer these questions, but you kind of have to support them and give them a little bit of nudge here and there to kind of let them realize the potential that they, that they truly have and the impact that they can have on the team and and with the coaching staff. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know how you guys pick captains, if there's a a unique way that you all look for your captains, but um, if you guys, Chris, especially if you could talk on that and, and kind of, either one of you, how leadership potential has kind of factored into your recruiting process um, and kind of your selection process as you guys continue to develop and improve the, the culture around the program?
2: Uh, when, we, when we started off, when I started off my coaching group, with, with rugby-wise, um, usually the coaches selected the captains and, you know, the, and the players went along with it. Um, what we've gone to is the players selecting their captains. And what you'll see is they will really um, tend to find those guys who are the good leaders, the ones they look up to, the ones that are they're at training early, doing the basic stuff, getting you know buying into the program, and the ones that are leaders and, and showing up and doing all the things right. The players really find those guys and really bring them out to us. So when they bring them out to us, as selecting like our captains and then our two vice captains then we can roll with helping them with the leadership. And, of course, we do identify guys, and, and we do see guys that we think off the bat that, you know, we would like as captains and what we see. But it, it, in our sport, um, we have found that for club-wise, if we choose the captain, it may not be who the team is behind. So what we want to do is we want to find out who's the team behind first. And then when, when they show us who is behind, then we culture them into becoming great leaders and, and, and picking them up. And a lot of that goes to – after training meetings, you know, of course, emails about the training plan. You know, what do they see? Um, it's, it's, it's tough for a coach to put his pride aside and say, all right, let me ask, what do you see? What can we do better? Um, and that's a big thing we've, we've all got to understand as coaches that, you know, win, lose, or draw, there's things that we can do better also. And we got to look inside ourselves and look at our plans and what we can do. Everything looks great on paper. But once you get out there and starts running it, sometimes the, the greatest plans don't work out well. And the people running the plan or doing the, doing the game plan or whatever else, they see things that we don't. So we tend to see once we get our leaders picked by our, our clubs, we tend to nurture with those guys and, and talk with them a lot more. So we, they'll meet with them after every training we do meet with them and then emails throughout the week about what we see and go to our selections and our game plan, things like that we really foster their leadership skills, but we let the lead, we we find out who the team wants to follow. And then we, we build those guys up.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting because in my experience, the, the natural leaders rise, like uh, even from day one, you'll, everybody knows who has the skill and talent, but everybody also identifies who's a jerk and who's fun to play with. Uh, I like what Porter does with including the captain on all the processes. So when the team votes for the captain, that person is now in the training planning in the selection process. So uh, it's a huge responsibility, but by having the team do it, there's a certain amount of buy-in there.
1: Yeah. And I think, Again, sometimes coaches are a little tentative to give some of that responsibility to their captains, and and honestly, a lot of them you see will choose the captains. Like you said, Chris, um, they don't feel comfortable with the team selecting their captains. But really, like like you said, Matt, the captains and leaders on a team they show themselves to their teammates, and their teammates know who best they want to represent them. And I challenge all the coaches out there listening you know this week or next week give your captains one or two more responsibilities include them in one or two more meetings with your assistant coaches ask them to give you a review of practice of last week and if you are a captain approach your coaches and maybe you start with your assistant coach if if your head coach isn't you know as receptive but you know ask to be included in the meetings i challenge you to to offer your opinion and come up with some solutions that you see might work better. Because when it comes down to it, a captain really is the earpiece of the team and also the mouthpiece of the team. And he also has to be able to communicate the vision of the coach and the coach staff back to the team. And the more that as a coach you include your captains in all of your processes, like you said, Chris, the more you include them in on those things, the better they can communicate what you're really trying to do, the better they can communicate the goals of the program down to the teams and down to the lowest levels to the rest of the players. So everyone is on on board on the same thing because sometimes coaches, they don't have the same pull with the team or they don't communicate in the same way. Um, you know, when it comes to certain things inside of sports, you know, a coach's word isn't quite as good as, as a captain's word that things are going to be the best decision or the best direction for, for the players at a player level.
2: Yep.
1: And is there anything special in terms of training or, or any kind of development programs that your your captains go through once the the team kind of selects them?
2: Uh, develop, development programs, no. But like I said, once they select them, then they, they basically become – almost assistant coaches because like I said they're included in like when we do a training plan you know the, the training plan is set to them first uh, when we do selections for players and our team uh, they're included in that um, so like with our sport it, it's a little different because with the club wise our captains are involved with selections of who we play now on select side they're not but what it is I'll let them know where we are with you know our plans and our players before the the rest of the team does so it's not that we train them any differently but what we do is we include them more into the you know the coaching part of the game and and the players and things like that because it it gets the buy-in it shows that we've bought into them and then they they buy more into our what we want to do then we have because if we have an issue with a player not getting selected or not making trainings and things like that, it's a lot easier, I believe, at times there's captains to talk to them first. So our right. first our first role is, let, you know, let our captains go and say, hey, you know, uh, John is not – he's not fit enough to be where we want him to be. We need to get him a little bit fitter. You know, what, can you have a word with him? And those captains, you know, either the captain or one of our vice captains will have a word with that player first. And then if it still doesn't work, then, you know, one of our assistant coaches or maybe – myself as a head coach, whoever has a better relationship with that player, will go have have a word with them too. And we, and we build up from there. But the, the only, the biggest training is that is once they get selected as captains and coaches things like that, we include them in our process. And once we include them in our process, then they know that there's a little bit more um, that they're going to know about and understand about our program and what we do than the, the regular player. Uh, they're going to realize all the plans we put together um, all the you know the, the goals for a game, the goals for a season, and everything else. So they realize that it's a little bit more. So then they understand that a little better. So it's easier for them to talk to players when they know where we're coming from. Also,
1: yeah, I think that's that's a huge piece as well. Is along with you know getting the captains' feedback and buy-in is a is a huge part of what you just touched on, Chris. Is the fact that you can let your captains kind of handle some of those issues that that may that may or may not arise during a season you know sometimes like you said a player's not in great shape so what do you do you have the captain go talk to the player before you do as a as a coach you know in the in the military we kind of say taking care of things at the lowest level possible so from that standpoint i think that's it's a huge piece
0: Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.